So we started chapter 8 last week and we looked at how leaving out one word could change the whole meaning of a verse. You've heard me say that we should study the Bible word by word. Each and every word is important. And the context of a verse is also important. And that is where topical studies kind of go astray. Joseph Prince in his book, Destined to Reign, it's a topical study. And he set out to prove that you don't need anything. You don't need the law of God. You don't need anything other than being in Messiah. And so he took one verse from chapter 8, pulled it out of its context, and then in his commentary, he left out the word therefore. So in his commentary, he just comments on there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Well, if you take verses out of their context and remove words from them, you can get the Bible to say just about anything you want. If you don't believe me, just go down to the Ten Commandments and remove the word not and see what you come up with. So the word therefore is extremely important to the truth of what Paul is saying. You know, after the sermon last week, Julie heard the sermon and and she gave me this line that I wished I would have come up with. She heard another preacher say this. But he, he said, when you're reading the Bible and you see that word therefore, you better find out what it's there for. Well, I should send Julie over to talk to Joseph Prince because that spiffy little, if he knew that spiffy little saying, he wouldn't have left that word out. Amen? Amen. And so we're going through Romans word by word, verse by verse, line upon line, to find the truth of the book of Romans. And we saw last week that leaving out one word, therefore, separated that verse from everything that Paul had said before. That verse was supposed to read this way, therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Messiah Yeshua. If you remove the word therefore, the entire meaning of the verse is changed because that word connects that verse to the previous chapter. If you remove the word therefore, it can actually give someone a ticket to keep on sinning. But the word therefore says that as a result of what Paul said in the previous chapters, then there is no condemnation for those who are in Messiah. He's saying that those who have been justified by faith in Yeshua, which we covered in chapters 1 through 4, and are being sanctified by walking out the law of God through the Spirit of God, which he covered in chapters 5 through 7, are free from the condemnation because they're in Messiah. You see, with this verse, he's really concluding his thoughts on walking in the flesh or the sinful nature versus doing the good that is in the law of God by walking with God through the Spirit of God. And so he'll continue to summarize now as we go through chapter 8. You know, if you don't take that verse out of context and you keep on reading, you're going to come up with the same thing that I just told you. Let's read on. And we're going to see that if you keep that verse in context, that's exactly what it means. Let's, let's uh, continue with verse 2. It says, Because through Messiah Yeshua, the law of the Spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did 
by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemns sin and sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the spirit. He sent his son so that the righteous requirements of the Torah, the law, could be met in us so that we, like he did, could walk out God's law in the spirit and not walk according to the sinful nature. Let me say this. If you go on sinning, you remember what sin is? Sin, really simply stated, is a violation of God's law. If you keep on violating God's law, then there is condemnation in your life. In fact, as you'll see in a moment, those who don't walk according to God's law are his enemies. Now, we spoke last week on the verse, verses uh, uh, on how one word could change the meaning of a verse. But the truth is, in order to get what Prince came up with, you'd have to take this verse out of its complete context, both before and after. Let's see what it says after that verse. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what the sinful nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Paul is going to tell us in the next few verses what it means to walk in the Spirit. And he does it by contrasting walking in the Spirit with the opposite of that, walking through life in the flesh. He's contrasting an unsaved person who's unregenerated and walking in the flesh with one who's born of God and is a disciple of Yeshua, justified and sanctified through faith in Messiah Yeshua and the leading of the Spirit. Sinful men do not have their minds on the things of God, but what the flesh desires. Now Paul lays out for us in the book of Galatians what the flesh desires. Listen to what he says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So when Paul says there's no condemnation in Messiah, he's saying that there's no condemnation because those who are in Messiah for sure won't do any of these things. If they did, they would be under condemnation. And the condemnation would be not entering into the kingdom of God. That's condemnation, my friend. Death is separation from God. That's death. That's why you were dead in your transgressions before you accepted Yeshua. You were dead because you were separated from God and Yeshua, praise his name, restored the presence of God in your life. You were for a period of time separated and if you had not repented, if you had not been justified by Yeshua and you had not ceased to do those things you formerly did, then you would have remained separated from God. And if you never did, you would have been separated for eternity from God. That's condemnation. That's the condemnation Paul speaks of. Separation from God. And it's why John says this in 1 John 3, 6. He says, no one who lives in him keeps on sinning. 
No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. You don't know him because if you continue to sin, then that separation from God remains. It continues. If you think you have relationship with Yeshua and you keep on sinning, if you think you're in Messiah and you keep on sinning, you better think again. Because in Messiah, there is no sin. Friends, it's time that those in the church, that we in the church wake up to the error of men like Prince who teach there is no condemnation with no prerequisites, just no condemnation. Because I don't care if you say I believe in Jesus every day. If you continue to sin unrepentantly, then you do not know the master. You can say it, but you don't know him. These people who tell you God doesn't care about his law are leading you down a path of separation from the Messiah. And John dealt with that in his letter too. Listen to what verse 7 says. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. He who does what is right is righteous just as he is righteous. And he who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. And the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning because he has been born of God. This statement of John is enough to make somebody shudder. It sure is me. We Christians have been telling people, all you have to do is say the sinner's prayer and believe in Jesus, you're born again. And then we tell them there's no condemnation for those who are born again. Go on sinning. John is telling us if we have ears to hear that you're not even born again unless you stop transgressing God's law. We tell people if you say this prayer and you believe in Jesus, you have the spirit of God within you. And John is telling us that if you continue to sin, you don't have the seed of God within you. How simple does it get? Well, then if you go on sinning and you justify your sin with verses taken out of context, like has been done with Romans 8, then whose spirit are you really listening to? Well, it's not God's spirit because in him is no sin. So whose spirit are you listening to? Well, John told us. He who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. Don't let anyone lead you astray. Just because the world or our government or even the church says this is okay and that is okay, just because Hollywood portrays adultery as okay and sexual immorality as okay, just because church leaders say things like, Oh, we're more enlightened now. Those laws were for the people of the Old Testament because they were ignorant. Don't believe it because their words don't make it so. God, our God, in whom is light and truly enlightened, he's truly the enlightened one, says it's not so. And let me tell you something, he does not change his mind. He does not say to the generation in the wilderness, this is abominable to me. And those of this century, oh, it's okay, my little ones, because you believe in Jesus now, it's okay. Give me a break. Look, years ago, there was a head of a ministry in town and 
who he fell into an adulterous relationship. And he justified that relationship by telling people that the Spirit of God had told him to leave his wife and his children because this woman was his true soul mate. Now, it doesn't take a mental heavyweight to figure out that that guy was listening to his flesh and the spirit of lust, right? A clear violation of God's law. And not only that, he did it in the name of the Spirit of God, making it doubly wicked. Well, what is different from that than saying, let's, let's talk about the Seventh-day Sabbath since it was the topic of the uh, Torah portion today. Christians everywhere keep Sunday holy and as the day of worship instead of God's Sabbath day holy because the Catholic Church told them in the 4th century that God had changed the day of worship. You see, it's the same wicked thing. We need to wake up because if you're going to take some preacher's word that God doesn't care about his law anymore or that there's no prerequisites for being in Messiah, you have to throw away the Bible. Except for a few verses taken out of context. If you believe that, you're going to set a new standard for the pocket Bible because you'll be able to fit your pocket Bible on a business card. And that's why Paul says this, The mind of the sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. Friends, how plain can it get? How plain can Paul be? The sinful man is hostile to God because he doesn't submit to God's law. You have to look up some of these words because where it says sinful mind is hostile to God, that word hostile means this. It means enmity, hatred. And if you look at it in the feminine form, it means enemy. The sinful nature is the enemy of God. That part of us that desires the things of this world is the enemy of God. So then it stands that those who do what the sinful nature desires are enemies of God. Listen, dear friends, you don't want to be an enemy of God. Let me tell you that. You do not want to be God's enemy. You may have heard the saying, I I was thinking of this today, as I was writing this, you may have heard the saying, you keep your friends close and your enemies closer. You heard that? Well, God doesn't see it that way. Those who sinned in the wilderness died or they were set outside the camp from the outside of the presence and the protection of God. And if, if you sin, if you sin unrepentantly, the same thing happens to you. God does not keep his enemies closer. He separates himself from them. So the sinful are enemies of God. Why? Because they don't submit to God's law. And let's look up this word. Be sure we understand. The Greek word here means this. To obey. Be subject to. The enemies of God don't obey God's law. Those who are controlled by the sinful nature are enemies of God because they don't obey God's law. How simple can it get? The opposite of that are those whose minds are controlled by the Spirit. 
So the mind controlled by the Spirit is in submission to and obedient to God's law. And what does Paul see about that mind? That mind is controlled by the Spirit of life and peace. What does he mean here? Well, a mind controlled by the Spirit in obedience to the Word of God is life. And it's life that is truly life. Life that is spent in communion with God. Death is separation from God. Life is in communion with God. It says life and peace. And if we look at that word in the Hebrew, it's shalom. And it's a stronger word than peace because it adds to peace blessing. A life in God's presence is a life of blessing. Yeshua is called the Sar Shalom. That's what our congregation is called. Sar Shalom. Prince of Peace. If your mind is set on the things of the Spirit, you have the mind of Messiah and you have Shalom. Peace. Let me tell you what's going on today in our society. There's a legitimizing of sin that's going on in our society. You know that Paul prophesied about this? He prophesied about this very thing in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. He says, In the presence of God and Messiah Yeshua, who will judge the living and the dead, and in the view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. I want to ask you, what do you suppose Paul meant when he said preach the word? Well, what word did Paul preach? I can tell you in his letter to the Romans, he quotes what we call the Old Testament 50 times. And in 2 Timothy, he quotes the old, what we call the Old Testament nine times. Now let me ask you this. In all of Paul's letters, does he ever quote a gospel? Well, maybe once if you consider this. He says the worker deserves his wage in 1 Timothy chapter 5, and that's the same words Luke used in 10 chapter 7. But it's also a Torah command. And that's the only verse that you could even vaguely say is a quote from the Messianic writings. Does he ever quote any other part of what we call the New Testament? No. So we can assume that when Paul says preach the word, he's telling Timothy to preach the very thing that most Christians ignore, the Torah, the prophets, and the other writings like the Psalms. He says, use that word to correct, rebuke, and encourage. Now that we have that understanding, let's read a little farther in 2 Timothy chapter 4. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound teaching. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations and endure hardship and do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Listen, he tells Timothy, Timothy there's going to come a time when men won't put up with sound teaching. And what do you suppose he means by sound teaching? Well, he just said it previously. Sound teaching is preach the word. What we call the Old Testament of God. That's sound teaching. And then he says, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. 
Well, what do their itching ears want to hear if they're living in the sinful nature? They want their sin justified. Right? Listen, everyone wants the desires of their flesh legitimized. Everyone wants to go to church and be encouraged and hear things like, you're not under condemnation. That ministry leader I spoke of above told me what he told me, hoping that I would encourage him and justify what he had done. That's why he said the Spirit of God told him, because he wanted to bolster what he had said. But he went away mad when I told him that he was in sin and using the name of God was even worse because God doesn't condone sin. Had I legitimized his sin by saying, okay, brother, there's no condemnation for those who are in Messiah, he would have given me a big hug because I had joined with him in his sin. Everyone wants trans, their transgressions of God's law justified. Everybody wants sin justified. Let me tell you something. Everybody wants to be legitimized. Everybody wants to be considered right and proper. That's what gay marriage is all about. It's about legitimizing gay relationships. And here in Minnesota, it's the law of the land. It's been legitimized, said and done. According to the law of the land, it's accepted and fine. And so we'll abide by that. In the schools, they're going to teach it. In the courts, they're going to defend it. And you can go to many churches, and they feel the same way. And they preach the same thing. Now let me ask you, what does God say about it? What does the Word of God say? Well, let me read what the Word of God says. What will Paul say? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, let me say something. If you don't agree with that verse... You can get mad at me. You can get mad at me for what I just read. You can hate me for what I just read. But listen, I'm not giving you my opinion on being gay or gay married. I didn't express my opinion, but I'm just reading what the Word of God plainly says. So in fact, you don't hate me because I'm not expressing my opinion. No, you hate God, the God who inspired this book. You hate Him because there's enmity between you and God. If you're in adultery, there's enmity between you and God. And if I read, thou shalt not commit adultery, you're going to hate me. If you're in any kind of sin, there's enmity between you and God. And when somebody reads from the word and exposes that sin, you'll get angry because you have enmity between you and God. You know, you can read those verses to me all day. Don't bother me a bit. I don't get mad. Praise the Lord. Pat you on the back for knowing the word of God. Amen? But if you have sin in your life, you're going to be angry because there's enmity between you and God. So please don't hate me for reading the Bible because I love you. So does God. That's why he wrote the book, cautioning us against these things. But listen, if someone tells you something different from the word of God, from what the word of God says, no matter how good it sounds or how good it makes you feel, it's not from God. And if they teach things different from his word, then they're teaching myths. 
what Paul called myths. Remember he said myths? Well, let's look at the word. It's muthos in the, in the uh, Greek, and it says an invention, a falsehood. When you take a verse from the Bible, you take it out of its context, and you create a teaching around that verse that's different from the context, you've created a myth, a fable. An invention of your own imagination. Well, I hate to tell you this, but there's a lot of myths out there. In fact, much of the church is operating and preaching myths. Now he says this, next he says this, Romans chapter 8, verse 9. You, however, are not controlled by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Messiah, he does not belong to Messiah. But if Messiah is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. John and Paul, I'm telling you, they're definitely on the same page. They've read the same book. Paul is telling us the same thing we just read in John. The justified, the sanctified in Messiah are not controlled by the sinful nature. Remember what he said in chapter 7, verse 21. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man that I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to Messiah Yeshua, our Lord. Paul, on his own, could not do the good he wanted to do because he was controlled by the sinful nature until he was rescued from that body of death by Messiah Yeshua, our Lord. So then he says in verse 9 of chapter 8, in support of that, he says, You, like he, are no longer controlled by the sinful nature, but you are controlled by the Spirit. What Spirit? Well, in verse 10, he tells us the Spirit of Messiah. Well, if the Spirit of Messiah lives in you, then you are in Messiah, and those in Messiah are not sinners because in Messiah there is no sin, right? Well, isn't that easy? You know... Paul said, said the same thing as we've gone through these first chapters so many times, so many different ways. I don't know how anybody can misinterpret his writings. I mean, how much plainer does it get than you, however, are not controlled by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Messiah, he does not belong to Messiah. How simple can it get? We Christians need to ask ourselves, Who's in control of our life? Because remember what we covered in the earlier chapters? What Bob Dillard said in his summation of the Bible? You're going to have to serve somebody. Oh, it might be the devil, or it might be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. If you're controlled by the sinful nature and your life is full of transgressions of God's law, then you're serving the adversary of God because just as John told us, he who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil's been sinning since the beginning. If your life is full of love, good works of the law done through the leading of the Spirit, if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, and that love is evident in your life by how you love your neighbor, then the Spirit of God is control of your life 
And you are in Messiah, and for those who are in Messiah, there is no condemnation. Amen?